Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Tori. <laughs> Mabel. A hurricane is coming. Yes, it oh. is. Uh, well, they. Yes. Hillary is coming. What does it mean for us? It's this is, feels very unnatural for us in in California, right? They said that something like this hasn't happened since is it 1937? What I was looking at, does that sound right? Yeah, I heard it on the news. Ron had the news on this morning, and I believe they were saying 80 plus years. That yeah, yeah. Pandemic, I know. I hurricane. Well. What are you doing to prepare? Oh, gosh. So John is, like, in full survivalist mode. <laughs> he's getting... He's got the generator going. I just saw a can of gas on the driveway. So, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, it's full, like, oh hunker down and, you know, get in the cellar. We don't have a cellar, but... Uh, right. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. But then you think... Is it is is it really gonna be bad or is it just gonna be one of those like oh it's it's really raining a lot today I don't know it's weird it feels really strange because you hear the horror stories of what happens in the east right the mm -hmm. the, the the horrible hurricanes and and then what I'm really concerned about is is Mexico right it's Tijuana because yeah. just just when it rains they have terrible landslides and it's they're very deadly right so mm -hmm. um yeah no. That is terrifying. I know Ron, my husband, for those of you who <laughs> are just joining us, he um, he used to live in Tennessee and he has been in tornadoes before and said that he had nightmares for years to come. If he would hear the wind, it would start to trigger that fear. Um, and, you know, he was talking to a friend of his who lives in the South yesterday, and, and they said, yeah, people in California just uh, <laughs> don't know how to prepare or aren't preparing in the way that they prepare there because they're used to having these types of emergency situations. And, and uh, he said, yeah, if you... If we had uh, that type of warning come up, you wouldn't be able to find anything. The grocery stores would be wiped out, right? Yeah. So I did go yesterday. I filled up my gas tank, and we do have water and things like that. We took down our umbrellas. You know, we have yeah. patio umbrella, umbrellas. Um, but because that type of warning, it does feel foreign, right? A hurricane, you know, that... Um, uh, I was going, well, what? I'm not sure what else to to do to pre to prepare. Um, yeah, so I'm not I'm not really sure what to do except to keep the pets inside, make sure I don't have any open umbrellas and definitely have have gas in the cars and things charged up. Although, you know, if cell phone towers go out, you're uh, hey, you know, my family bought me a bunch of board games for Christmas because I said I wanted time 
I said I wanted time. With the family. And do you know, none of them have sat down to play a game with me. Well, if, if there's no yeah. internet, Tori, and That's there's right. no cell service, you might be playing right. uh, board games pew, in the pew, next pew, pew. We might be doing some family improv. Come on over. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I told BB, because he's, I, you know, I told him, I was like, we might lose power, so charge your phone, da, da, da. And, you know, he's like, oh, no, what if we lose internet? Like, oh my gosh, this is like the beginning of Loteria. We, yeah, oh, seriously, you're right. Come <laughs> on. Um, but we just bought a puzzle, a thousand piece puzzle, and um, that might be That's on fantastic. the agenda tomorrow. So I, I love puzzles. I love, I absolutely love puzzles. Um, they're very addictive to me. So we put it out. We have a, this coffee table, which is not the most functional coffee. T- it's a round coffee table. And it, you know, it's a rectangular puzzle. You need puzzle. a round puzzle. Yes, yeah. It's a rectangle. So it's, it's, it's been like, yeah, it, it's problematic. But it, it accommodates a thousand piece puzzle. And so every time um, I pass by there, I'll like suddenly, you know, half an hour will go by because I've been working on the puzzle that I just, I, all I was doing was trying to get from one place to the other and I just stop and work on the puzzle. I love puzzles. Um, and the reason why I love the puzzles is because I look at it and I'm like, all of the answers are here. You just have to figure oh. out how how to put it all together. I find that <laughs> I find that to be a very comforting metaphor because it's like, it's all here. It's just how do how does it all get arranged to work harmoniously? And it is very satisfying when you finish it, one. It is. It's super, super satisfying. Although, the last puzzle that we finished, Thousand Piece Puzzle, we got it done, right? 998 pieces. We No, it was missing two pieces. It was missing two pieces. It's so funny. I was just going to say, what can be the least satisfying is if it's missing pieces. So I can tell you right now, I would not be able to put like a working puzzle up like we would have to sit down and do it in one sitting because we have cats yeah oh yeah and dogs but the cats in particular would love to take that puzzle piece and eat it (laughs) uh unless i put a scat mat on top but if there's an opportunity for us to sit down and play board games that's something we did in my family my mom uh and dad, they they called it, it, my last name growing up was King, K-I-N-G, and they called it King Night. Aww. <laughs> and, and once a week on Sundays, uh, we took turns choosing the game we were going to play. So my parents would choose like card game, like Uno, and uh, I can't remember the other ones, but the popular games at our house were Uno and Monopoly. Of course, Monopoly. Mono- I loved Monopoly. I was good at it, <laughs> which is funny. I was very competitive. I really loved it. I, I was trying to, I can't remember what my sister would choose, but she was younger. So I imagine it might've been, oh, it was candy things Land. like Candyland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that was a good time. And like, I still hold that memory. And I think, what did we do as a family? I mean, we watch movies together, but that's not quite the same, right? Because you're not interacting. Yeah. And, but it is it is a love we share for uh, movie and theater. We do we do go out and and music. 
okay, we do some things together. We do go out and see music together. Like, I, it's like, funny, I was trying. What do we do together as a family? We don't do anything. Oh, wait. <laughs> we don't do anything. Oh, wait. We do these things. <laughs> music is a big one. There's some concerts coming up. Um, I'm excited. What do you guys do? But you do puzzles. We do puzzles. Uh, we, well... I, you know, as as I get older in life, I realize I'm not a very good parent. Because um, I'm like, what what do I do with my kids? I, we, I have a lot of conversations with my kids in the probably most annoying ways. I would say that that is, that's our like, that's our quality time. I go into Dally's room and I just hang out on his beanbag, his giant beanbag, and we just talk. And, mm. and then I go into BB's room and then we just talk. BB will go to plays with me. So we're going to New York. I know. In December. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then we went to see Lonely Planet, right? I took BB there. Yeah. So BB, BB is more of a like do stuff kind of guy. Like he'll just with John, he'll go with him and do whatever. Like, oh, I have to go sign some papers. Okay, you want to come with me? Okay. So he's like, he's just, he's just a pal, you know? Like he's just mm-hmm. down for whatever. Um, Dally is is more like me, you know. Dally is like me. He's like, no, I have this thing that I have to do and I'm focusing on it and like, please don't bother me. So I just insert myself in his life in annoying ways, especially when he's when he's mad at video games. I'll just go and, and talk to him and distract him. But yeah, um, other than that, we do have movie night. Um, we don't really have a game night. So yeah, I can't, I don't know. And then we, as a family, we do Disneyland. Like that's every year mm. we, we do... Disneyland we stay at the the hotel there and like like that's the one thing where we can all agree like Disneyland won you beat us Disney the the manufactured happiness like take my money ah but yeah I mean they figured out the formula and it seems to work for our family so you know well we got yeah yeah I totally understand I I understand that yeah whatever works However, you can find ways to connect with your family. Yeah. Yeah. And you got mm-hmm. the passes, right? So you guys go there. You, mm-hmm. You've been using them? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've taken Sadie a couple of times. Ron's taken her. You know me. If I'm if we're going to spend money, yeah. I'm going to get my money's worth. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah. what is it about Disneyland? I'm just there and I'm like, oh, yeah, you want to buy, you know, $10 popcorn? Sure. I just say yes to everything at Disneyland. Ah, it's such a it's such a psycho because of my own history with Disneyland, right? I have the memories of my childhood at Disneyland growing up in in Southern California. Like we would just go. My dad one day would like be out jogging, come back and be like, "Who wants to go to Disneyland today?" And it's like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> it was just one of those things. Like, yeah, um, it was such a part of my childhood. It really was like the happiest place on earth when I was a kid, right? We would just go, and it would be like. So now with my kids, and they and BB really likes it. Dally, you know, again, teenager who's very much in yeah. it as a teenager is like, yeah, it's cool, yeah, it's fine. Um, but still, he's he does enjoy it, and and I'm like, you want that frozen lemonade? Okay, ask me, ask me how I'd react if we were here in my community and they asked for a frozen lemonade. I would say how- we have a lemon tree. There's ice. Figure it out. Like, I'm not buying you no frozen lemonade. It's a matter with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, 
It's funny that you talked about your relationship to Disneyland as a child, because I think that's why I have the same, and my experience, of course, is very different, because I was in Arizona. So we did a family trip to Disneyland when I was 12. We didn't have any money. We were very poor. So we camped. We did not stay in a hotel. We stayed at a campground in a tent. Tents, everybody. And I had just started my period, which was so fun. And that's a but that's a play, Tori. (laughs) That is such a play. Oh, my God. I just tell you, like having to try to wear tampons for the first time at Disneyland. Oh, God. Anyway, that might be TMI. But um, all that to say, I have just the best memories of that trip to California. It was such a great bonding experience for us with our parents. We had a wonderful time. And I'm pretty sure my parents said yes to all the things, too, because, well, they weren't spending money on a hotel. (laughs) I can tell you that right now. But I but I should insert that we camped a lot. It was another bonding thing. You know, my parents actually did a lot of activities to bring us together as a family. Camping was a huge one. And when we camped, we primitive camped. We made we cooked our food on the fire we tent it was i mean we that's how we saw a good deal of arizona is we camped yeah my dad had um like i'm trying to remember what the name of this big magazine people in arizona remember i think it was called roadways or arizona wrote something it was like a big it was a huge like with maps full of maps. I might still have one. I think it was called Arizona Roadways, but it was enormous. It might have been, and I think I might still have have one or two, but that's how we saw a great deal of Arizona's. My, my dad would literally like go, oh, let's go see this place. And we would drive out there. We would camp there. It was, it was incredible. So I saw a lot of Arizona that way. Um, uh, we were in this old, like, 50s orange barrel type army vehicle that my dad had that I'm sure my sister and I inhaled toxic fumes because there were no back windows. It just looked like, you know what, I have a picture of that somewhere. I should scan it so we can put it so people can see what that looked like because that thing was, um, but it would run out of gas because the gas gauge didn't work. And, and oh my gosh. I cannot tell you the number of times we, in 110 degree weather, were stranded in the middle of nowhere with my parents, my mom, cursing my dad out and my dad having to walk with a cast can to find the nearest town. Yeah. Good times. Oh my gosh. But really, we we did have a lot of good... Well, this is bringing back some like really good memories, like good memories of of childhood. Mabel, what are you what are you working on right <gasps> now? There's so many projects happening, right? Yes, Tori, it's been it's been um wild. So I would say a week ago, I felt very drained and sad and just like there's nothing coming <laughs> out of me and I have all these things that I had to take care of. And then Wednesday, I think Wednesday I turned a corner. Wednesday, Tuesday I went on a, a, a trip and then Wednesday I came back and it was like and then I had to start 
coordinating lots of moving parts because I have a few projects that are going on right now. And um, one of them is um, happening with this organization in, uh, in San Isidro, which is the southernmost part of our beautiful San Diego County. Um, and it's the border of uh, Mexico, right? It's the, the, the community that's right next to Mexico. So, um, so this organization called Casa Familiar, and this is part of the Far South Border North grant that I received. Um, and I'm going to be working on a play about air pollution because San Isidro uh, has horrible air quality because of all of the border traffic. 60,000 cars cross through that port of entry every day. And so, um, and there is an elementary school right there. Um, so their back fence is um, the freeway. And so uh, having been born in Tijuana and like being a part of this border crossing all my life, I, it had never registered that uh, that air quality was a thing that should be in our consciousness. And so now as I'm learning all about it, I'm like, ah! But you know, I'm most interested in working in theater for multi-generational audiences, but young people really. And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how am I gonna turn this into a play that I would wanna see, that I would want my kids to see, that the community would find interesting. And so I'm thinking like, I'm probably gonna have, um, maybe, maybe considering a superhero situation, Tori, I'm not sure yet, I'm still working it out. Suddenly, I'm like, ah, I'm, a, I'm inspired to write. I've had these really great meetings with subject matter experts on environmental justice. And like, I just feel very, very invigorated. So that's really exciting. I've turned a corner. I feel really good. I'm writing again. Yay! <laughs> Hallelujah. And I might be writing a play about a superhero. And why that is relevant, Tori, is because today's guest is also working on a superhero play through the BIPOC superhero initiative that Jose Casas had kicked off. And so tell us, Tori, who do we have on the show today? We have June Carroll, who is amazing. June Carroll grew up in Denver. She got her BA in political science and her MA in English literature from Brown University. Her plays include Colossus, Girl Blue, and Florence and Normandy. Favorite roles include Fraulein Schneider in Cabaret and Gertie Fail in Failure, A Love Story, as well as roles on Mindhunter, Hulu's Hellstrom, and Why the Last Man. Everyone, welcome June Carroll to Hey Playwright! We are so excited to have you on the show um, I was out of town, but Tori, you had the opportunity, right? Playwright Center had kind of this meetup, a Southern California meetup, and you had the opportunity to see our guests work, right? <laughs> yes, I sure did. I got to see Blue. Blue was um, being done at the Rogue Machine Theater. I want to make sure I get it right. 
And what was so special about that night, because Hannah Joyce had organized it so that members of the of the Playwright Center could get together. We had like some cocktails before next door, and then we got to go see the performance. But what was so special, June Carroll wrote this play, but they she stepped into the role of Parker, Parker for that performance. Yeah. So that made it even more special. And, and after I saw that play, I sent a note to Mabel and I said, we need to interview June. <laughs> like, like, how can we make Very that happen? You. Yeah. And, so. and June, I had just seen, um, Luis Alfaro had posted on his Instagram about you and he's like, Whoa. this is, this is, um, the playwright that this is the work that needs to be happening. And he gave you a, a, a oh. shout out. So I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Luis is amazing. He's he's such a beautiful soul. He's such a beautiful soul. And his work is incredible. So it's like that, yeah. Well, June, your your work is incredible. And oh. we are we are just so excited to have you on today. So if we could just start out by finding out how how you came into theater. Sure. Your path. Sure. Yeah. I was actually going to be a lawyer my umpteenth iteration of life. Um, you know, cause at first I wanted to, I wanted to be a, when I grew up, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a surgeon because I saw this show, I'm dating myself, but the show Quincy MD. So I wanted to be a, a, a surgeon and then I wanted to be an architect. And then I wanted to be, a, um, a, uh, what was it? A surgeon and architect. And one other thing, and then I settled on, I was going to be a lawyer. Um, so my, um, in high school, my high school um, history teacher and my mom's best friend, Lejeune. So it's Miss Piasek and Lejeune Bradford were like, okay, here's the plan. You're going to go to Brown University for undergrad. And then you're going to go to um, University of Chicago where Lejeune went for law school. And I was like, bet, that's the plan. That's what we're doing. I got to, I did get into Brown. It was incredible. It was a, a wonderful experience, undergrad, in every regard except academically. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the um, theory of law, but, and, and I could I could craft stories very well that would win a case, win an argument. But the facts and figures, I just was not that, down just wasn't that down and so i would end up um just kind of not doing the work um and so you know I, then i slept through the last round of lsats and was like i'm i don't want to get an internship so what am i going to do so i decided i was going to transition to uh, english literature i figured i'd get a phd and i'd be an english professor I took a drama survey course with Paula Vogel and um, ended up writing after reading Ubu Wa, my first play. It was I wrote a play that was sort of an answer to Ubu Wa uh, for my midterm. And Paula um, uh, came up to me and she was like, hey, do you want to take my playwriting class? I was like, sure. Okay, yeah. Read Adding Machine and was like, this is what I want to do. I want to write plays. Um, and that was cool. And I started uh, trying to figure, figure out how you do that. 
And then midterms came around and my playwriting class was writing a, uh, a soap opera and it was midterms. So no one was available. So all of us playwrights got drafted into the, the, the soap opera that we would put on for the school. And, uh, it was just, I got bit, you know, you know, I got bit. My, uh, I, I did two plays at school. Um, audition for Hamlet was awful, awful, awful. But um, anyway, you know, got to do this incredible um, piece about uh, women at a shelter um, for, you know, women, you know, fleeing, you know, violent men. And I just thought, yeah, this is this is pretty much what I want to do with my life. I got to play a, an angry artist, which was very apt. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I just kind of stumbled into it backwards. I stumbled into it backwards, really. This is the opposite of, you know, often we hear the story of, I started out as an actor. And then, you know, I found out that either there were no parts for me or, you know, I just decided it was it was too much or I didn't feel that way. And then I became right. a playwright. But for you, it was it right. was the opposite. That is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think part of what happened was now my sister, I went, my sister's a year and a half younger than I am. And she, um, she, her senior year, I went back to Denver where I grew up and she was part of a speech, um, the like, like speech and debate. And they did a presentation, a final presentation. And she did a monologue and I think I probably had an inkling then. I should have had an inkling then because she was so good. She was so present and so transformed. She played this little old woman sitting in a coffin, you know, and um, hmm. this little, a little Jewish woman in a coffin thinking back on her life. And she was incredible. She was incredible. And I think that was kind of, that should have been my first like hint. I want to do what she just did. But the thing is, you know, I don't, I didn't want to just um, act because, you know, I, the thing that I discovered during my graduate school career was that where in political science, the stories you tell, someone wins, someone loses with fiction, with poetry, and then I found out with plays, you can tell stories that actually make a difference. You can actually tell your story, you can tell someone else's story. And so, you know, like people would ask, so which are you? Are you an actor or are you a playwright? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm both. I, I don't choose because each gets, you, you get to exercise different muscles, you know? And so, it's, I feel empowered as an artist, as a playwright, and I feel inspired as an actor to just, plus it's, it's, it's nice because being shy, you know, the chance to be somebody else and sort of say, be as loud mouthed as I want to be, because it's not me. It's not me. You know, that I, it, I don't see a reason to choose. So I don't. Mabel, you found that powerful quote. Do you want to share that? Because I feel like this is such a nice segue based on what you were saying just now, June. Okay. Okay, June, I was snooping around your NPX 
profile, and I um I was reading the the summary for the good minister from okay. Tell me how to pronounce this name. H is it Har Har Harare? Harare. Okay, the good minister from Harare. Yeah. And the the last line of the summary of that, you say a play can give suffering a name, and that to me is the beginning of change. So can you speak to that? That is that is such a powerful powerful statement. I just I guess I just think that um, like I was just at the show today, and because um, we're in we're in Edinburgh, we're at this uh, for Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and. Someone uh, came up after the show and said, um, she said, um, thank you for telling this story. And she, she was standing next to an African woman who, a South African woman, uh, a black South African woman who said, um, it's really cool to see my story, to see a story told from my perspective, you know? I think that words on paper that are meant to sort of like take off and be the jumping off point for a discussion, for a story, Words on paper are just the most powerful thing. Words are powerful, period. And I mean, they are the way we construct our reality. You know, it's like, yeah, we're flesh and bone, but how we relate to the world, that's language. And the bridge between what's happening inside my head and the body that I'm in and the world I have to walk around in. I think particularly in the United States at this point in time, we need words more than ever because um, difference is under attack. Mm. Gender difference, race, racial and ethnic difference, religious difference. Um, sexuality all of the women we are we are we are under attack and i think that lassoing words and reimagining reconceiving the world in our own image if nothing else um that's the beginning of that's the beginning to me of change when you see a little kid you ask a little kid how was your day and so, well, you know, they'll tell you, you know, I fell down on Jimmy because Jimmy, you know, pushed me over. And um, then I, I, I kicked him and um, then he um, he cried. But then he said he was sorry. And then I said I was sorry. You tell that kid, do you know you just told a story? That kid's face just lights up because they realize that they can tell stories. They can articulate what is happening in their world, in their reality. And it does something to them. It is so wonderful when they get that, they realize that they have a story that matters. It's when that, that moment that they feel that empowerment, that's change. And that's 
That's all we're doing as playwrights. You know, that's all we're doing. Taking someone's reality and giving it breath. And it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Just seeing yourself, hearing yourself makes a huge difference. I, I, I'll, I'll get off my high horse, but that's. Which play are you doing right now? We're doing blue. <gasps> you are. Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, Mabel, I can't wait for you to see it someday. Oh, wow. So uh, I, I, I just want to say, when I saw it in, in Los Angeles, it was at um, this really cool small space, the Rogue Machine Theater. But the way the play is set up, it's, it's semi-immersive, right? Mm -hmm. Because from the moment you're brought in, you're, you're checked out. It's like you're being checked in to a facility yeah. but when you go and then when you go into the room it's an interview room and it is claustrophobic mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was in the round that the the table the interview table was in the middle and the audience sat around it was a small audience how many did it seat june it's you could seat up to 33 uh 34 okay Okay, every seat was full. Wow. So you are there, the ceiling is low, fluorescent <gasps> lights, and then the action takes place. And Mabel, I know you, you've read it, you haven't seen it, but you know it's intense. <laughs> so you, as the audience, are in, you are in it with those two actors and, you know, the, the emotions are very high. Like, you just, you, you, wove that story so beautifully June oh, like it's, it's it's it was it, it that it was um so uh, so I don't want to give too much away so if I say anything and you go oh we need to cut that just let me know <laughs> but the script the script itself is about is a, a little over 60 pages but the names 44 pages at the time of the writing I'm Sadly, know that more names have been added to that list. Yep. And um, and I had a hard time getting out of my seat at the end of that performance. I mean, you know, the it's it was a group effort. You know, the um, the set that was Michael Matthews. He was. We were sitting around once we decided. Um, once it was. Um, uh, uh, decided that the play would be done. We were sitting around. No, this was actually just before we had just done a workshop and we're in rehearsal uh, for the second workshop. And um, we were at Rogue Machine and we were sitting up in that place back when it was this orange and gray and um, this orange and white room that was actually twice the size that what you saw is what you saw. Oh. And um, there was like a, a, a storage, there's like a storage thing and like a, it's like a mini house and he was looking around and he was like yeah this would be perfect for it and then um they said yes to doing the full production and michael just that was his concept that was his baby and the technical directors um joe and dean were like they just took it and they ran with it they ran with it um, at the, the names, we had a um, group of uh, six producers. Um, it was Betsy, Jaiko, um, 
Kila, Kitu, um, Mildred, um, Langford, Tarina Pouncey, Sarah V. Fenton, and uh, Guillermo, um, uh, who runs the theater, He, you know, the, the artistic director, backed by John Flynn. And the group of us were like, how do we commune, how do we turn this into a, an opportunity to talk about this issue beyond the play itself? And, um, you know, we thought we got to do a roll call. Mm. We have to. And then um, I realized once we decided, yeah, we have to do a roll call, that the play cannot be done without it. The play can't be done without it. Um, and as you say, you know, we have to add names. Um, you know, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it's, someone said, it was interesting, uh, someone today said, yeah, you know, you should put um, some names of slaves in there. And I was like, that's not a bad idea. The only problem is we read like uh, a good six minutes and didn't even get through the twenty the twenty twenties, the twenty tens rather. It's deep. It's very deep. But um, the um, the community, I think the community events surrounding the play have been were really um, satisfying, um, and they were a chance I think for everyone to sort of come together after and just sort of be in the same space together. And you know, sometimes it got a little spiky but honestly for the most part it was i think a really uh healing experience for everyone it, i know it was for me selfishly i say that but what type of community events yeah we just had um these we, we didn't even call them talkbacks they were um just um the the series was called can i uh, pull your coat and we brought in um, community leaders, a couple of community leaders, um, people who are advocates. Um, yeah, we just sat around the room and people talked, talked about their experiences, talked about, and this was shepherded by um, uh, um, by the expert, the, um, the, the panel. Um, there was one that was really beautiful. Um, we had... Um, well, Tarina, one of the producers, had the thought to bring these little cards and candy and just put them on the table after the show. And you could take a card and on the card you could write the name of someone who was um, lost to uh, police violence. Um, I mean, just things like that, that, you know, expanded the scope of the thing beyond just the play in such a beautiful and mindful way that I, I, it was really special. It was really special. It's a really special group of people that worked on it. I'm really grateful. Knockwood. Now at, at the uh, French festival, are you playing the part of Parker? I am. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and some, some people ask, well, are you all right? Is it, you know, and I'm like, you know, it's actually quite cathartic. You know, it's, um, you think, 
it was one thing writing it, trying to fit my brain around a Sully. Um, another though, to have, to, 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 to be in the position to, um, be a Parker to have to, you know, there's a, like, there's a point in the play where Sully is like, well, I mean, without giving too much weight, he says, aren't you tired? And it's like, how are you going to sit there and tell a black woman, is she, are you tired? You know, having to parse every syllable. It's like, welcome to the world. Welcome to what it is to be a woman in, in, you know, in corporate America, in most of America. Welcome to what it means to be a person of color in America. Yes, we've spent decades, centuries, censoring ourselves, making ourselves just so to fit a narrative that is very specific, very particular, and which takes no prisoners, you know? It's like, the West has got some problems, got some, got some healing to do. And, you know, so I, can, I think the moment when I, um, the character kind of has her say, it's not as you'd think it would be traumatic. It's not, it's actually just a relief to get rid of it. What was the catalyst for writing this? I mean, I, you know, it's I, turn on the news on any given day and, and the stories or, you know, as you have 40 pages worth of names plus, right? And so what was mm-hmm. what was the catalyst that you finally felt in your heart? It's time to write this story. Um, I think the January 6th riots. I it, it did not. It, I knew that there would be a play after the riots. Um, I then I had the incredible fortune of um, being uh, getting to, to to join Echo Theater's play lab, playwrights lab, and that's where the play started. But I knew after the riots, yeah, there's just there's this is a play because you can't watch what's happening on this TV right now. And I don't know how anybody could be okay watching that. And the only thing that I could do was speak, speak, you know, on paper. Um, The, you know, we keep, we insist in common language on calling you know, we we spent we spent we spent eight years, well, four years trying to understand um, what Hillary Clinton called the deplorables. We spent eight years watching um, the dehumanization of our own president by the press, by the press at Fox News, whose first. Um, the first time they spoke about um, his wife called her a baby mama. Before that, and then before that, and before that. For the people at that riot to show up talking about how they were having something stolen from them. It wasn't just an insult. And it wasn't just it wasn't an it wasn't just an insult that we were being having this narrative forced on us that they honestly believed it. They didn't believe it. They were angry. They didn't get their way. And they'd spent, um, 
four years telling the rest of us, hey, he won, get over it. The minute they didn't get their way, they started tearing the walls down. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you're not losing anything. The world isn't going anywhere for you. You simply are having a fit because it's not yours. Mm. The world, and I just thought, I knew that there were cops there. I knew, I just, something told me that there were cops in that, 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 in that crowd. And I just thought, nope, y'all are not gonna get away with this. You're not gonna get away with this pretense that you just, you honestly didn't know. You honestly thought that it was, you, you honestly believed that it was, it was literally stolen. I, I can't cotton that because I watched the year before that dead-eyed stare of that man who held his held down another human being and just looked at the the looked at the camera the person taking the camera like what like he was squashing a bug and that's the majority that's the majority of the cops and I'm not saying all cops are bad I'm not saying that but uh, and I and I've got I've got uh, law enforcement in my family I will say I'm hard-pressed to find a good one because they are taught a way of being that is detrimental to my health they are taught a way of living in the world of moving through the world that does not see difference as equal. And, you know, they, the, the ones who question that get boot, get the boot. Um, the two are so inextricably linked, you know, the, 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 you cannot, you cannot have a, 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 a January 6th without a George Floyd. You can't have George Floyd without January 6th. Um, so yeah, that's sorry. It's a, a long-winded answer, but yeah, the the watching those watching those people on the steps, I knew there was going to be a play. And you bring it into the story. It's just, um, just. I said this earlier, but it's so brilliantly woven into the story. Like it just comes out so organically. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Really beautiful. <laughs> how long are you there? How how For long? The full are you month. Long? We we got here Monday two Mondays ago. Uh, now this will be our. I get wow. We've been here since the second, since August second, and we'll be here until the twenty eighth. We're gonna do the whole month. Are you getting to see a lot of other shows while you're there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to start to see more now, now that I've kind of got a rhythm going. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, this, there's so much to see here. Um, and I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm just like, there's puppets and there's dance and there's <laughs> plays and there's two-handers and there's circuses and I mean, it's crazy. It's so wild here, man. It is so wild. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm so digging it. (laughs) I'm like a kid. I'm like a kid right now. June, how did it come about to take this show to the festival? 
You know, honestly, uh, we we opened uh, in at Rogue Machine, and I was with Michael. I was at Michael's place, the director, and you know, I had wanted to go to the Fringe. You know, if, a couple times I was like, "Ooh, it'd be cool to go," and all of a sudden I realized, "Hey, I've got a show," and I just looked at Michael and I was like, "You know what? I want to go to the Fringe Festival." And he was like, "Okay," and he hands me my phone, and he hands and he gets his phone. He's like, "You call Mark. I'll call Rebecca." And I mean, Rebecca just got here today. Um, and I was like, hey, I kind of want to take a show to the French Festival. What do you think? I texted Mark. And um, Michael, uh, I think, called or texted Rebecca. And they were like, okay. <laughs> so we did two um, fundraisers. We did a two-part fundraiser. And just... I mean, this whole thing has just been one big miracle, honestly. You know, we were able to raise enough to get here and enough to, you know, get a place, you know, to stay and to, um, I, I honestly can't even make sense of it, how it's just been, the whole thing has just been one big miracle. It's just been one big miracle. So, but you have a solid show with solid actors <laughs> and you got all that. So I would argue that maybe miracles a little part of it, but I also think it's like all of the talent and the creativity <laughs> and all of those things that came together to tell a really important story. And so I think those are the, how the stars align, right? You just had like the, the magic mixture of everything coming together. Oh man. And then with some miracle thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was telling uh, Mabel before you joined in, I said, you know, I went and I looked at June's resume. We're totally nosy. <laughs> so I was I was looking around and I said I said, I saw June bef before years oh. ago. Okay. So I'm gonna tell you. Um I was I was in a theater company with this woman, Elise Robertson. Yeah. In LA. Oh, no way. And no way. <laughs> and then I uh I I dated Finn Curtin. Yeah. And so I was given a copy of King of the Bingo game. So when I saw your name on it, I went, What? What? Is it King of the Bingo game? Bingo? And that was like with Coleman Domingo. Yeah. And here's another little how small the world is story because i was like okay so june must have been in the bay area for a minute because um i worked at the marsh theater i i was operations manager i actually lived there and the very first one of the first shows that i um that i helped get up on its feet was civil sex by brian freeman <gasps> but it was at the marsh right yes. and then and then uh i saw but i was like gosh did june do it at the marsh i don't think so right you did it when they remounted it yeah. at berkeley rep I, in yeah. 2000 so i was not a part of that but i saw that and i was like oh my gosh uh, she played James Baldwin. Yes. Oh <laughs> like, my wow. gosh, what? So, what is it, right? Brian Freeman had another play that I think he did at the Marsh when I was there because I was there for two years. So again, just 
how small the theatrical community is really in the whole scheme of things right yeah oh my gosh (laughs) king of the bingo game i was like man that was like that's tripping me out that is so tripping me out whoa I looked high and low for a copy. I'm like, God, I, I think I still have that DVD somewhere. <laughs> or the video. I think it's at, it was actually video. So I was looking to see if I could find it. But yeah, because what I wanted to do, June, is I wanted to just pop it up and go, <laughs> remember this? <laughs> <laughs> but then I saw Elise Robertson, um, she she put it up on Vimeo. She so did? You can... Yeah, so you watch it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got yeah, to so, check her down. But, but I just discovered that right before oh the God. interview because I'm like, oh, my bell, wait, it's oh. right here on Vimeo. So if oh you want to, if you want to do a, I'm going to have to go back to memory lane. You got to go. I got to go. I got to go watch it. <laughs> she was so much yeah. fun to work with. Yeah. 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 She, yeah. And she, it, it's interesting to look at, um, some of the people in that, like, you know, Coleman's Coleman. gone on to be very successful. Anika. Elisa's gone on to be very successful. Anika. Yeah. And then, um, and Finn was doing a lot of theater work in LA, but I don't know what's happened. Like we, we lost contact. So, but he was a great actor. Like yeah. it was just, yeah, it's kind of a cool and a Ralph Ellison story. So, you know. Wow. Okay. Oh, this cool, is, right? this is blowing my mind. <laughs> what is my yeah. So I went, oh my gosh, because you are an accomplished playwright, but also, of course, an accomplished actress as well. And so it was just cool to see, wow, we have these connections from way back, way back. years oh ago. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, right? That's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, nice to finally meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> Um, so are you LA based now or I am? Yeah. Yeah. I've been there since 2000. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Mabel and I make trips to LA to see plays. And of course I went to LA. I saw your play whenever you have anything going on. Tell us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We'll come and see it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to be us. following y'all around now. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, we'll, we'll follow, follow you. you. We're, we're total stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so are you are you working on anything new right now i mean i know it's probably like it might be a challenge because you're you're so busy with blue but is there anything that's that's exciting you or anything that you can talk about you don't have to talk about like you don't have to get spoilers yeah. but like what's what's inspiring you right now well you know children's plays and um i'm working on a, a um a play for uh ayama theater company it's a um, it's a commission, and when I get back, um, we get to uh, do a twenty nine. What do you call it? It's a workshop. Yeah, we're gonna do a, re- a reading of it um, in mid September. It's called the Wronged Party, and it's about a party that takes place at the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little light comedy. Um, yeah. Um, and then I'm also working on, uh, uh, a couple of children's plays. Um, one is called the girl who 
made the Milky Way, created the Milky Way. It's a sun myth um, that's about the origin of the Milky Way. And a uh, another story with that that is with imagination theater. And then I'm working with in other people's shoes oh. on a play. Yeah. Cool company. Um, it's it's a really cool company, man. Yeah. And um we um are working on a play that's part of a cycle of plays that's for young young audiences. And this one um is um called Bug, and it's about a girl who has the dubious superpower of being invisible, becoming invisible at will. Um, and uh, yeah, so honestly, um, children, yeah, that's that's what's inspiring me right now. Just, I'm kind of, I got my, my head is kind of in, in a few different places right now. Okay, June, um, I just had a, had a thought. Are you part of the, the BIPOC superhero? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Oh. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, "Wait a minute!" So, Bell. so am I. <laughs> Wait. See, okay, this is crazy. <laughs> this is super crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh my gosh! This is why we do inter. I swear, this is why we love doing these types of interviews. What? Like we've been on the same. Yes. Email. Yes, we have. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, we have. Oh. <laughs> we could have cut out the middleman. We had yeah. a choice. I, like, I could have. Mabel, you were connected. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Wait, so when is your play going up? I know all of that is happening next. Is it 2025? Like 24, 25. Or is it next? Yeah, 24. 24, 25. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So oh wait. It. Where is in other people's shoes? What part of the country? They're in um, Pasadena, California. Oh, they're uh, they're based in Pasadena. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. June. Wait a minute. Is that the theater? Is that the space that Jose Cruz Gonzalez was working with? Who's the June? Who's the artistic director for in other people's shoes? It's um Murray. It is. It's Murray Hopper. Yeah, it is. Yes, Murray. That is correct. It's it's Murray. Um, she's amazing. Um, and yes, she, yes. she is. She worked with Jose with on uh, on uh, ah, the name is escaping me. The reimagined uh, play, right? Yes, the one that he did yes. for yes. reimagined. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh, this is this is it's this is the world is getting smaller and smaller. Smaller and smaller Wait. and smaller in the loveliest way. It is. So June, do you have a do you have a do you have like dates for it, or is it right now? It's like. Mm -hmm. Uh, we just, no, we don't have dates right now. We, I think our next date is sometime, it's probably October. When I get back, I'll find out. We did, we've been working with this camp oh. up in, in Pasadena and we just did a reading of it in, uh, the end of July, uh, for these kids at this camp. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, and when I get back, we got to figure out when we're going to do a, another read through of it. And we're going to have... This 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 last iteration, we had the we had the kids playing the roles. Oh. It was so cute. It was so cute. They just kind of found their they found their mojo. It was so cute. It was like you guys are so cute. Um, oh. you know, like I mean, yeah. And so then um, when I get back again in October, I think it's gonna be October or something. 
so June, have you have you written um, TYA pieces before? Like, is this something that that you've had um, like ha- have done in your body of work, or is it? Are you like are you dipping your toes in this in these waters? I'm pretty much dipping my toe in for the first time with these two. I um, I mean, every actor's got to do it. You know, when I first started acting, part of what I did was you know theater for young audiences. And I always thought, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to have a play someday, but to, to write a play someday, but I never could, I could never think of anything. Um, and then these two things came along and it was like, um, you know, um, with, um, in other people's shoes, the, it was the, the, the superhero theme we were given that. And then with this other one, Imagination Company, Armina Lamana is the um, artistic director. And she was like, hey, so we want to write a play about, because they they want to be global in their um, storytelling. And she said, hey, I can't write this. Will you write this? And I was like, sure, you know, I'll give it a shot. And um, it's been really satisfying. Plays for young audiences are really satisfying, aren't they? Yes, that yes, I isn't it I the drank best to be with and kids? Like, yeah, they, they're the best audiences. They are it's the best audiences because you can't get in the way with them. Yes, uh, I know <laughs> they are so honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about having kids as your dramaturgs too, because yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they'll break yeah. it down too. They'll be like, "Yes," and I found that the the plot twist was, and you're just like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Let, me just, let me pick up my pen. Yep. <laughs> I gotta take I, those. <laughs> for sure. I wrote a play. I had I had a teenager look at it, and they wrote me like three pages of notes. It was so good. Wow. <laughs> like what a dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Honest. Honest. Um. Yeah. Mm, yeah kids mm. the kids are really they're great they're wonderful dramaturgs they're wonderful dramaturgs mm-hmm. yeah that is so <laughs> how exciting love it love it all right Tori there have been so many moments I know I love it amazing asking yep. for a friend okay let me find my all right we've got a good one for you June, okay, based on based all right based here's on our, all the snooping that we've done <laughs> Here we go. June, what is the court case you would write a play about if you could decide the outcome? Oh, if I could decide. <laughs> oh, it's an evil laugh because it would, it would have to be um, uh, uh, the people versus uh I, I, I hate to say his name, but... We know who you're talking Trump. about. Okay. okay. Yeah, people, people versus yes. he who should not, shall not be named. Um, I the think you started Jack laughing. Smith can't go after him for inciting the riot, it would be, yeah, I would be writing the play about that man being held to account for the inciting the riot, for getting five people killed, for trying to destroy a democracy. I mean, you know, the United States has got a lot of work to do, but it was, I mean, it's a good idea. And for someone to come along and be like, oh, well, I don't feel like it because my ego is too big and I can't stand the idea of losing. 
I mean, yeah, that, that would be, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he'd lose, he'd lose. <laughs> Twenty years in slammer. That was going to be my follow up. And so, what what would the uh, the verdict be? He would twenty years in the slammer, and not federal, not not some uh, you know white collar criminal facility. No, no, he'd be going to Rikers. (laughs) No, that or Guantanamo. Such a good idea. You stay there. Mm. (laughs) Well. Uh, on that note, let us move on because I was thinking, wow, that would be a really great play to write. So, <laughs> be a fun play to write. Yeah, it would be uh, a great play. Guilty. Uh, so, um, making the segue into the writing prompt. Do you have a writing prompt to leave for our listeners? It could be an exercise, a revision strategy, um, whatever, whatever you feel is is in your heart. You know, this is a one um, I I take, you know, again, this is from Luis uh, because he's brilliant. Um, how does this writing prompt go? Um, write a monologue from your character's point of view when they were 12 years old. Yeah. it. I think what's really great about that prompt is you're forced to... Um, know their before in a way that I don't necessarily know one thinks about. Um, because then you go from then write, uh, the, the sec- there's a second part to it, which is write your character at half the age they are now. And I, it's, it, it really it breeds some really incredible stuff in terms of backstory incredible incredible insights come about because of it yeah I mean Luis you know Luis is Luis is the dude he is the dude <laughs> I was thinking that's a great prompt to use whether you're in the middle, beginning, or end of a play. If you're stuck, like you can use that to maybe make mm-hmm. some discoveries. Yeah. Right. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much to mind there. Yeah. So June, <laughs> where can people find you if you want to be found? How can people connect? Well, you will find me screaming on. <laughs> I'm literally screaming all day long on Instagram. <laughs> June Carroll at June Carroll, J-U-N-E-C-A-R-R-Y-L. Um, and I'm on Facebook, not as much now, but um, it's June Audrey Carol Lomena. And I am on TikTok. Um, same June Carol. Um, and I had to give up, I had to walk away from X, X. whatever, dude, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> I know. You got to do, do you, but I don't have to, I don't have to feed you. I don't have to give you any money. So, yeah. <laughs> 
There were just so many discoveries. I can't stop smiling. <laughs> yes. Do you have uh, any any upcoming shows? Anything that we we should know about? Um... Yeah, I would love to plug um, a play called NB. Uh, there is a less polite term for it, but NB. Yeah. Uh, Are they doing it? it we're doing. We're doing a uh, we're doing a workshop of it at the Cell in November. Nancy Manicharian's The Cell Theater in New York, first two weeks of November. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I wish I could fly out. Yeah. Mabel. I'm going to be the following months, unfortunately. But I know. I... Man, that play, June. Oof. Oh, you read it. Oof. Oh my god. Dude, I told you I was snooping around the MPX. <laughs> oh my god. So just so you know, June's plays, check out her new play exchange profile. Her work is there and it is you have some powerful ideas and stories. Oh. So that's that's incredible. Oh, thank you. Ugh. Yeah. Um, thank you. Oh man, that's really yeah. Funny. If you're okay with it, we'll put the the MPX link there. Too. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. June, any any uh, or do you, like is the is the strike affecting any like any thoughts about how is it is it affecting your your way or you're like I'm busy with theater. I don't. I'm not tripping right now. I am blessed and lucky to be busy with theater right now. I think the one thing that it's taking me away from is actually being on this on the ground marching. Mm. Um, um, you know, I heard that talks are going to resume between the WGA and the uh, AMPTP. Um, my hope is that the producers figure out that they actually can't do this without the writers and they can't do it without the actors yet. And, you know, hopefully, you know, they're saying Bob Iger is feeling mollified and now committed to seeing things to um, good resolution. All right, whatever, Bob, just pay, pay your writers, pay your writers, pay your actors, you know? So, yeah, I mean, right now I'm very lucky. I'm, but I, I, the one part, the one thing that I'm not doing is on the ground marching and that kind of bugs me. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, the other thing is, I so want to see the Barbie movie, but I'm not giving those people my money. I'm not doing yeah. it. Yeah. So I guess I have to wait till I, and I, you know, what I realized something that I can do is that I actually um, cancel all my subscriptions, mm. you know, to Netflix. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, you don't need me. I don't need you either. And it's like, you know, that's something that people can do. I mean, I think that when producer, when content hubs realize that not only can they not do it without the actors and the writers, but it affects their bottom line because people start saying, you know what, I'm not going to pay for you to sleep, treat people like slaves. Maybe they'll come around. Maybe. It's, my, it's the one little thing I can do. Until I get on my get my boots on the ground. <laughs> final final thing. What brings you joy? What is bringing you joy? What is bringing me joy? Um, <laughs> um, 
there, <laughs> there's this guy on TikTok. His name is Rockstar, R-X-T-A-R. <laughs> and he, do, he does, he's got this really bass voice, right? And he keeps doing all of these impress him and, oh yeah, he keeps doing these voices of cats and dogs and birds and squirrels. Hilarious. Hilarious. Rockstar. Look him up. And there's also yeah, Jenny Davis, his cats. He's got four cats and he's, <laughs> he's, got this, he's got this one. Okay. All right. I'll tell this real quick. So Jordan Davis has four, four cats. He adopted them all. One, I, I can't remember all of their names, but suffice it to say that the deep voice one's name is Doug. <laughs> there's, there's one episode in which um, Drennan has dressed them all, dressed all four cats up in dresses is for the fourth and oh, no. he comes in he, he dresses them up <laughs> oh, this no. way oh, and no. then he's like you can't dress like that because people might think you're girls and because they're all boys and they're like and the cats are hilarious because they have voices like this <laughs> we're you and they're like why <laughs> Well, you can't dress like that because somebody might um, think that you're a girl and then where would we be? So what? <laughs> well, then they'd be really uncomfortable. That's their problem. Narc. <laughs> I <laughs> Dren- love it. Drennan Davis and Rockstar make are bringing me so much joy right now. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to check them out. I love videos where people do voices for animals. So good. So it's, it's very satisfying. It's really satisfying, isn't it? Why? <laughs> June, June, have you seen the the person that um, they've put like GoPros on the cat so you see what the cat does during the day? Like literally follow. I think it's on. I don't know if it's on Facebook Reels or Instagram, but you you see you hear the cat and you hear it go. And then you see you're following it up a tree and it meets other cats in the oh neighborhood. It's all over the it is like the this. coolest. It is really, really fun and extremely satisfying. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's on my list then. Yes. Now. That is on It's my like list. very calming to me, like just to watch, you know, from the cat's perspective. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. Sold. Sold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The little it is. Things, it right? is. You it have is. to find it joy. Really there are big things. You just do. You have to yeah. find the joy. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have to. You have to. Yeah. You just have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, June. This has been such a lovely conversation. Thank you so, Yo, so much. This was so. Thank you so. Thank you so much for. Thank you for the time. Thank you for just hanging out. This was really. Thank you. This is a blast. (laughs) A real blast. Absolute blast. (laughs) All of the connections. All of the connections. Holy cow. I love June. I am so glad that we got a chance to talk with her. I'm super jealous that you got to see her play Blue live. What a lovely, lovely human being. We are going to go find her when she gets back to L.A. Yes. Absolutely. Sorry, June. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a feeling there will be an opportunity for you to see it in the future. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, we've got some more wonderful guests coming up and lots of work. I feel like things are picking up. I mean, I know school has started again, but it's also just 
all these creative projects are now bubbling back up. All right. All right. Well, we're going to stop recording now, Tori, because now we have to talk. <laughs> now we have to talk yes. business. The business, business. of okay. production. All right, everyone. So, bye, playwright. Bye. Keep writing. Keep writing. Bye, playwright. Hey, Playwright is produced by Tori Emma Bell. The voice you hear at the top of the show is Freddie Padilla at BK Spidey on Instagram. If you like what you heard, rate, like, subscribe, tell your friends, follow us on all the socials, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.